Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 169th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have a little bit of news, and I've watched some things, and then we'll get to today's topic. So let's get started. This week, we had uh, new publications for various magazines in the comic world, and so it is no surprise that we've gotten announcements for new Magical Girls things. So the first one is actually pretty big. So uh, Nakoshi Magazine's latest issue just released at the beginning of October, and as such, we got the big news that Shugokyara is coming back. So Shugokyara was originally a comic from the late 2000s, which Basically, what we know is that in summer 2024, approximately, we don't know when in the summer that could mean, they will start a continuation, a sequel series for Shigokara. And it is confirmed that Amu will still be there. And in the promotional art that Peach Pit has illustrated, we see Amu and we see all four of her guardian characters. So, It'll be interesting to see what happens or how, in what way, this will be a continuation of the story. But interestingly, they are not currently working on this because Peach Pit is actually working on a different (laughs) Magical Girl story. Uh, This one being actually related to a commercial uh, product, particularly Nichiri Foods uh, Fried Chicken. So we have Fried Chicken Magical Girls now, so that's interesting. But yeah, so there's that. And uh, next, we got the announcement of a brand new Magical Girl comic. The full title is Taisekaiyo Mahoshoujo Tsubame, or Magical Girl Tsubame Against the World, or Versus the World. There might be an official title down the line, we don't know, but for now, we know this is going to be published online on Jump Plus. So this starts October 7th, so maybe by the time that you hear this, it will already be out. This is by Mapolo 3, who is the creator of a completely different series I'm unfamiliar with. But in any case, yeah, so <laughs> we don't really know much else about the series. We have a little bit of, of official art so far teasing the series, but that's all we have. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes. But yay for more magical girls! With that, we can move on to what I have been watching. So, of course, Soaring Sky Precure, as always, was fantastic. We had a baseball episode. We still don't have a Precure who has ever been a baseball player, like, solidly. But I really liked how um, what we have in this uh, episode definitely harkens back to yes. But, yeah, it was a really cute episode and very fun. I'm definitely really looking forward to and just, like, really generally continuing to just enjoy the heck out of this season. It's just so delightful. And then also speaking of Precure, I have finished watching Yes Precure 5 Go Go just in time for Otona Precure 23. Of course, this is not my first time watching the series. We had been doing a watch along kind of club over in the Sparkleside Chats Discord. And um, right now we're also in discussion about what to watch next. I have some ideas based on some people's suggestions, but we haven't established anything quite yet. So there is that. 
And yeah, it was really, really fun to revisit again, you know, kind of more for fun. Like the last time I watched the season, it was for the podcast to talk about it on that particular episode. So it was really cool to kind of watch it with a more relaxed mindset. But I did have to rush a little bit at the end there to catch up to the club that I created to watch this show. But yeah, so got it finished just in time. Very excited for Osana Precure this week. And speaking of seasonal shows, one more show I did get to watch in time, Dekoboko Majo, right? The Irregular Witches, Topsy Turvy Witches. I don't know if there's an official translation of the title. I haven't been able to find it yet. Seems to be up in the air. But in any case, this series is interesting. This is a, an adaptation of a comic I have not read. But um, basically, it is the story of, uh, you know, it's a fantasy world, and we have two witches, a mother and daughter. The mother witch, Alyssa, found little Viola when she was a baby and detected her magic power, but also she was just such a cute baby. So it's a story about their, like, mother-daughter relationship, and it's generally, in that regard, very wholesome. However, the main thing that is kind of the problem is the way they sexualize Viola, who is 16 years old. So just keep that in mind if you decide to watch the show, because that happens a lot. And it's also particularly concerning, considering that she is the only character with darker skin. You know, otherwise, I enjoy the antics so far. It's going to be a little bit more of a silly show, all in all. So I will continue watching. Um, but with that, I believe that's everything for this week. So let's move on to today's chat. So we are going back to the world of Miraculous this week, covering season two. This season is also very interesting because it is definitely its own thing, but it also feels like it is leading up and, you know, expanding the world of this franchise. So um, it was a lot of fun to watch and get to learn more about the world of Miraculous. And it was super fun to chat about with Charlie. So Charlie's back. He was on to talk about, well, Shigokara Doki, the second season of that franchise, as well as Cardcaptor Sakura. So it was super cool to have him back. And it was, yeah, just really fun to get more into this franchise, like I said. <laughs> uh, luckily, there isn't a whole lot to, to warn against in this episode, but we do talk about uh, family death and we talk about racist stereotypes slash just general racist insensitivity, I should say, when it comes to writing characters of different races. But luckily, there isn't a whole lot else in that regard. So yeah, I think that's, that's all I have to say up top here. So if you are ready, then I'm ready. So let's sit back and relax and enjoy this chat with Charlie about Miraculous Season 2. Okay, so uh, we are here today to talk about Miraculous, aka Miraculous Ladybug and Cat Noir, or The Miraculous Adventures of Ladybug and Cat Noir, Season 2 from 2016-2017, uh, and I'm very delighted to have a returning guest. Can you please introduce yourself? 
Hello everyone, I am Charlie, my pronouns are Caesar and he, him, and I'm very excited to return to the podcast for the third time? Yes. Yes. I believe this is my third time. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, you know, obviously you were delighted to have back on the first two times, so Aww. that's why you're here. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't even know, like, before we talked about it, that you had been a Miraculous fan. I realized that Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Catmore is another one of these million titles the show has. Um, <laughs> yes, <laughs> there's a lot of them. So, yeah, before we get into this show, what have you been enjoying in the magical girl genre since your last time on the podcast? Well, I would like to say I've been enjoying Precure, but uh, we have uh, taken an unintentional hiatus for those of you who uh, remember that me and my uh, my fiancé Cassidy have our Precure podcast. <laughs> I did get this um, cute uh, rubber keychain that has Nagisa and Honoka on it. So, you know, mm -hmm. I'm still thinking about the girls. <laughs> and I, I'm really tempted to uh, start watching the newest season, despite knowing we will eventually talk about it when we return to the podcast. Mm -hmm. I have just started reading the manga uh, pre-tier, I think that's how you say oh, it. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yes. Um, it's definitely an older manga. I can definitely uh, see that from <laughs> the art style, but... I'm not that far into it. I'm still in the first volume, but I am enjoying it so far. Hmm. Hmm. And if this counts, I did get a tattoo recently. Uh, my very first tattoo, um, and it is of the little wings from Cardcaptor Sakura. Ooh, very nice. Yes. So I, I have those um, permanently etched on my body. <laughs> it's very cute it's very simple um and i'm very excited to have it because it's still one of my favorite shows yeah that's really cute um we we did an episode on clear card just a short while back so it, i've been very in the card captor mood <laughs> recently yeah. so yeah that's really awesome i always wonder about whether or not i will at some point invest in a magical girl tattoo but i think the problem is there are so many great ideas in that space i'm not sure i can choose i yeah I really think about it um <laughs> <laughs> you know but yeah that's awesome yeah, yeah. I i'm very very happy so getting into Miraculous, so um, for anyone who is unfamiliar with this series, um, basically the first season, which introduces our main cast, we have Ladybug, of course, and Cat Noir. They are two superheroes. In real life, they are Marinette and Adrian, and they do know each other. They go to the same school, and Marinette is madly in love with Adrian, who is like yeah. a child model and all this stuff. And in their superhero forms, Cat Noir is in love with Ladybug, of course, and yes. uh, they use their their powers. Uh, Ladybug's is luck, and Cat Noir's is based on destruction and uh, uh, bad luck to fight off the Akumas, who are these, you know, people who go through some sort of despair and get turned into supervillains by Hawk Moth. Um, who is himself also a supervillain, of course. Um, yes. 
Yes. Yeah, so no, generally speaking, he seems to just always be doing something or other to just kind of keep an eye on whoever is feeling negative thoughts and try to get them akumatized or evilized, as you will. And uh, it's up to our superheroes to to heal them back and uh, and all of that. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh, I was gonna say, uh, Ladybug's power is also uh, based on creation. Oh yes, yes, yeah. So there is this man master Fu who they do meet at various times like actually yeah. because he gave them their powers their miraculouses <laughs> yes. but also they do end up meeting him uh in person later on but uh yeah basically what we get by the end of the first season in particular is that there is this uh this ancient book that um well adrian finds in his father's uh safe uh, his father, Gabriel Agrestu, is this uh, kind of reclusive fashion designer. And this book contains all these previous uh, forms of all sorts of miraculous holding superheroes, including Ladybug and Cat Noir. Adrian loses this book when, um, well, when Marinette finds it and takes it to Master Fu. So Adrian does get in trouble for losing said book. And that's kind of where we start the second season. But before we get into that, um, Charlie, what is your history with the Miraculous franchise? Yes. Uh, so I started watching Miraculous Ladybug back when I believe season three was airing. I felt like I've always was interested in it. I think I started watching season one at some point and then stopped. I don't know why. But once season three started airing, I went back and I essentially binged the first two seasons on Netflix um, so that I could get caught up. And I got really into the fandom as well. So, like, there was an episode in season three um, named Chat Blanc. I won't say anything about the plot because we're not talking about season three, but <laughs> I was very interested in it. Some of the episodes, because it's a, a, a French TV show, they were air first in like Europe, you know, instead of the States. So I watched it. I'm not sure if it was Swedish. I'm pretty sure it's Swedish. I don't remember, but I watched it completely dubbed in Swedish. Couldn't understand a word they were saying. <laughs> then I watched it um, subbed and then I watched it dubbed when it finally came out in America. This is not the first time I have watched a release like I watched a show where they released episodes in a different country and I was able to get access to that um, before it was uh, released in America. Mm -hmm. The only other time I remember doing that was in season three of Avatar The Last Airbender because I aired some of those episodes in other places and so I would watch those episodes before they were fully released um, in America. So, mm. you know... Fans will find a way to, to get access to the episodes, I suppose. Um, but th season three is definitely where I became very invested in the show, very invested in the fandom. And since then, I have watched all five seasons. I've also watched the new movie that's been released on mm -hmm. Netflix. It's a very good movie. You don't have to know anything about uh, Maracas Ladybug if you want to watch it, because it is a retelling of, I wouldn't say the entire series, but it is kind of like if you take the first season and then you kind of attach the ending of the last season onto it. Mm -hmm. 
it, it's good. It's also a musical. Interesting. We were going to talk about a musical today as well. So that's, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's interesting, I haven't seen the movie yet, mostly because I don't have Netflix at the moment, but I found the reaction to the movie very fascinating because it seems very polarizing. Like a lot of people really liked it and a lot of people didn't like it at all. And it made me very curious about like what people get out of Miraculous in general and also the way that people even thought about the music. The only clip of the music I've seen is actually like dunking on a character's inability to rap, which is very fascinating. But um, <laughs> there's... <laughs> Like generally speaking, it's, a, it's very interesting to see such a strong reaction because it is very different from the the show at large in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, most of the reactions I've seen uh, have been positive. I know people have talked about some of like the, the more negative reactions because compared to the show, the identity reveal was... Uh, not very quick, but like it it's a movie. It only lasts for so long and it's trying to tell a complete story. Um and some people just didn't like that their identities was revealed in it. Hmm. I think it handles some plot points better than the show does. I won't go into too much detail, but there's definitely they I think they handle a character a lot better in the movie compared to the show. Um, and I like the resolution of that better than how it was handled in the show. So I definitely veer more on the positive side um, than negative. I think it did a really good job of retelling um, the story, even if it didn't go into as much detail because it just doesn't have the time to. Mm -hmm. I think if you enjoy the show and especially if you enjoy like the first season, you could probably like the movie. As long as you hmm. don't dislike musicals. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, yeah, I guess getting into that. So now, depending on, you know, where or when or what country you watched the show, generally speaking, um, the episodes do come out in different orders. Though, um, yes. if you look at the production schedules and everything, but in terms of release order, you know, there is a kind of special that is a musical called Santa Claus, yes. C-L-A-W-S, uh, which was aired just uh, before season two started, though, according to production order, it is at the end. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so if you go to watch it on uh, Disney Plus, which is the main like accessible place to watch Miraculous, it is at the end of the se season, which is kind of interesting because like, you watch all the you know the well, the finale stuff which we we'll get to later and then like this episode happens which is like huh okay <laughs> but basically we get this like christmas special which is also a musical so there are several different numbers singing uh, merry christmas to everyone and then also yeah. we get a song from adrian about how cat noir is all alone on christmas day yes. <laughs> and he ends up meeting the santa claus now, whether or not this is the real Santa Claus is not actually explained. No. I feel like you could definitely read it either way, which is like kind of fine because it's a kid's show. Like you could either say, oh yeah, this is definitely a fake Santa or, oh, this is the real Santa and gets to meet Adrian because Adrian's a superhero. But in any case, Adrian spends time with him and it's like very, you know, cute and sweet. But due to the fact that Adrian had kind of just 
left his room and ran off to be alone and, and emo or whatever uh his father ends up convinced that like he's been kidnapped and so everyone yeah. that they know is looking for him um and it's just like <laughs> yeah just it's it's pretty wild through all of that you know in this this wild game of telephone um marinette goes out as ladybug trying to find adrian convinced that he's been kidnapped and when she sees the santa is like oh no this isn't akuma this is like i gotta defeat this monster and this poor guy just like huh what yeah i'm just a guy <laughs> like i'm just a <laughs> and ends up becoming so like just so convinced that like you know the christmas spirit is gone that uh hawkbuck is able to turn him into an akuma after all and so he becomes this evil Santa who goes around singing and giving people really terrible gifts of like explosions <laughs> of spiders and cockroaches and all of that. Just really a rough time. So, you know, that part is kind of fun, but eventually, you know, the two of them, Ladybug and Cat Noir, do end up defeating him, of course. And yeah, it's just like a really weird, silly episode, you know, to have a bit of a musical and, you know, it's a Christmas special, right? It's it's silly. Yeah. It is something that is just like, oh, that's that's a thing that happened. And, you know, again, it's production order wise at the end of the season, but it aired at the beginning of the season or like before the season really started. It's fine. And <laughs> yeah, it, it literally could have been watched at any time, honestly. I will say the reception of this movie, at least from what I saw, was very negative. A lot of people did not like this uh, Christmas special. Huh. Yeah, that makes sense. It's very different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm, hmm. Um, also, some of that has to do with um, some people in the fandom really don't like Adrian. Uh-huh. Which I don't understand because I would die to protect Adrian Agress. He goes <laughs> so he is just a traumatized teenage boy who's doing his best. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, it's like this goes with like the kind of episodic nature of this show in general, right? But yeah. uh, in terms of like the the basic archetypes that each character is, Adrian being like this like, yes, he's a very, very, very rich kid, and he's already a model, and by season two, he also has his own perfume, um, apparently, or something, I don't know, his art yes. cologne, and, like, has wild fans and, and everything, but, um, so he clearly has, in a lot of ways, a very, very privileged life, but also, he's dealing with the loss of his mother, who, um, like, at least according to the Christmas special, has been, you know, possibly dead. We don't really know her situation exactly. It's, like, vaguely mentioned that, like, his mother has been missing, right? And yeah, we don't really have a lot of information about that at the beginning of the show. But, yeah, in any case, you know, he's he's definitely, like, lonely. And then, like, his father is just, like, never leaves the house. He's always kind of in his own room, seemingly, like possibly brooding or something you know we don't really yeah. <laughs> we don't really know what's going on there he doesn't really know what's going on with his father but it seems like it feels to him like his father is too busy to interact with him at all so he yeah just is very lonely despite his seemingly cushy life so, yeah yeah 
which is why he really enjoys being cat noir because it allows him to be the kind of person he wants to be Mm -hmm. and allows him to like you know just go out and have fun beyond like saving people he just also gets to just have a good time yeah in a lot of ways he can finally be himself when he's cat noir yeah Mm. one of the things about the show is the way that uh Cat Noir and Adrian and then Ladybug and Marinette, how their personality is a little bit different, like, because Marinette is uh, kind of awkward and clumsy, and she has, like, trouble, like, you know, making decisions sometimes, especially when she's around Adrian. Yes. <laughs> but the Ladybug is very, like, confident and self-assured, very, like, very much a leader it's interesting to see that they can really come in to themselves as like the kind of people they they watch to be when they are their superhero personas. Yes, for sure. And that's like kind of a, the nature of, you know, superheroes in general, I would say. But it's really yeah. interesting to see how to see how they kind of see themselves, how they see each other to the point where like the the whole love triangle thing like Ladybug is very aware that Cat Noir is in love with her, right? But, of course, they don't know their true identities, so, like, Marinette would lose her mind if she realized that Adrian liked her that much. And then, you know, we we do get more interactions with them this season, where one is transformed and the other isn't, and um, also a lot of interactions where um, or a lot of episodes where basically because there are only two heroes at this moment you know we know about the fact that there are other miraculouses that's something that kind of comes up at the end of season one because of uh, uh, Lila who became Vulpina and became like an evil version of herself using the fox miraculous you know we know that like there there are other people could become heroes but they're kind of like the main two so what we get is like this whole thing of like sometimes one or the other either can't fight because they got already attacked while they were still untransformed or like they get defeated somehow or whatever. They get taken out one way or another. So yeah. the other one has to go at it alone or needs to get help from someone else. So yeah, at the beginning of the series, it's just Marinette who is interacting with um, Master Fu. Uh, so we see that like she gets to meet him for the first time and talk about this, you know, the book that she found. For her, it was like, she didn't want to say where she got it, of course, but because like she knew that Adrian had that book. She didn't know why. Yeah. But, you know, when Master Fu goes through it, it was like, oh, yeah, um, whoever had this book is probably Hawk Moth. And they're like, uh, what? And so... She didn't want to admit that it was from Adrian at first, and then she's able to kind of piece together, like, oh, yeah, there's no way Adrian could be Hawk Moth, but um, he's in trouble because he lost his father's book. And so then there's this idea of, like, wait, is his father Hawk Moth? Is that, like, what's going on there? And we see pretty much immediately in the first episode that, like, yes, he is. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, that being said, we also see that, like, he realizes that you know, with this book out and this information out there that he could be thought of as being a suspect. So in order to make himself not a suspect, he does the whole thing where he um, does the whole like getting a a butterfly ready to akumatize someone, then detransforms and then purposely turns himself into an akuma. Yeah. The the collector. 
in order to kind of, you know, get the scent off of him, so to speak. So uh, that was a really interesting kind of first episode. And it's also a way to be like, oh, yeah, there's no way that Gabriel Agreste could possibly be Hawkmoth because why would Hawkmoth akubatize himself? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was a kind of a little fun thing there. It kind of gets that plot out of the way for a moment, you know, so they don't have to think about that. Also, this season, again, with like episodic stuff, it's a little unclear, depending on what episode you watch, if Hawkmoth knows the identity of Cat Noir and um, Ladybug or not. Because there is definitely at least one episode where he suspects that Adrian is Cat Noir and then like through a series of events becomes convinced that he is not. Yeah. But then, like, in other episodes, it seems like he does know, so it's very confusing. <laughs> I, I don't think he does know, because if he did know, he would try and just get the miraculouses from them when they're not transformed, because it's much easier to fight a teenage boy and girl when they're <laughs> not super-powered up. Sure, sure. <laughs> uh, it is something that I noticed and I was a little confused about like whether or not, you know, Gabriel knew their identities or, or whatever. But yeah, with them having to get help from other heroes, at first it's just um, Marinette who does see Master Fu untransformed and is like going to get more information all the time. Oh, I should mention they do give the book back to Gabriel, but not until after they use a smartphone to take pictures of the whole book. Yes. Which is so funny. <laughs> It's like, oh, yeah, that does <laughs> make is. sense. Okay, you don't need a thing. And then, like, we later find out that Gabriel had a copy anyway. And I was like, oh, okay, so all of that was for nothing. Cool. Yeah, it was just silly. But basically, you know, we have this uh, miracle box that has all the other potential miraculouses. And so we always get this whole sequence where Master Fu opens it up, puts in a code, and they all come out. And we see that, you know, there are a few missing, of course, the, uh, the butterfly one we know Hawkmoth has and... The peacock one is also missing, and the green one is uh, yes. is the turtle, which is Waze, which is Master Fu's own Kwame. So we know where that is, but everything else is still there, of course. So there's always that potential like, oh, we could get more help in the future. But the first one that ends up helping out is uh, Rena Rouge, who is Alia, Marinette's best friend. Of course. So as Ladybug, she presents the Miraculous to Alia. When um, Alia's two younger sisters, who are twins, just being normal gremlin children, end up becoming actual gremlins when they're akumatized because they yeah. <laughs> find out they're not going to go to the theme park the next day. There are some weird things going on with, like, the children, like, the very young children that Hawkmoth akumatizes in this show, um, including a literal baby at one point, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. I feel like... The baby one is kind of a uh, random. Like they're like, well, we have to have someone be akumatized in this, so why not a baby? <laughs> yeah, it like it's a literal accident. It's very funny. <laughs> it just shows to show you that anyone can be akumatized if if you're feeling bad at all. <laughs> Hawkmoth can take advantage. Of yes, that. yes. It's definitely a lend itself to a lot of jokes in the fan. <laughs> yeah, it just. <laughs> Just very absurd because all the baby wanted was a lollipop. It's just like trying to eat everything while being a giant. But in any case, yeah, so 
with the the Sympodies episode, Alia becomes Reina Rouge, who has the power of illusion. This is the same Fox Miraculous that we saw with Volpina in the first season with Lila, who luckily is not in this show for, for very long this season. Um, <laughs> Don't worry, she comes back. She does come back, but, you know, not for a while. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was uh that was a fun episode and so there are a few different other episodes where Rene Rouge does get to help out and basically at the end of every kind of time that they use the miraculous that person gets to give back the miraculous to Ladybug who then gives it back to Master Fu so that it's uh, kept safe and sound and this is also very exciting for Hawkmoth who realizes that there are other miraculouses in town. And then the other person that gets uh, Miraculous is uh, Nino, Adrian's best friend. He gets to use the Turtle Miraculous, or Waze, because it's a protective one. She needed to get his help to uh, fight off, well, actually, <laughs> Alia's other sister, um, yep. <laughs> Nona, uh, who's like a, a boxer who calls herself a Nazi of God, and so um, she you know, becomes like this spider Akuma, which is like terrifying. And so his desire to protect Alia, who, and you know, Nino and Alia are definitely like an item at this point. Yeah. Yeah, they're very cute, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, yes, I love them together. Yeah, <laughs> they're very precious. Um, but yeah, so, you know, he helps out in that way by, you know, being defensive. He becomes a carapace, which I know carapace... It just means shell in French, but I just think they could have used a different name as a better name for the character. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. <laughs> it's not their best work. <laughs> no, they're yeah. trying. Uh, They don't always hit it, though. And yeah, we do yeah. also get Queen Bee, but that's more of an accident that um, yeah, only given to her, mm-hmm, uh, to Chloe. Mm-hmm. Um, if yes. everyone remembers Chloe, the uh, the mean girl of the series. Yes, yes. So Chloe Bourgeois, who is the you know daughter of the mayor of Paris slash the owner of like the finest hotel in Paris, a childhood friend of Adrian, so he has a soft spot for her. But of course, is also kind of the mortal enemy of Marinette. <laughs> yes <laughs> and she is also often the reason that a lot of characters get akumatized throughout the show she actually gets like basically three episodes about herself but in particular there's a kind of two-parter um style queen and queen wasp so the first one being when her mother comes home from new york and her mother is like somehow i mean Generally speaking, Chloe's a very cartoonishly written character, of course, right? She's an archetype more than yeah. an actual individual. And her mother is like, how do we make this make sense? Um, and so her mother is, you know, this like queen of fashion over in New York. She's very, very, you know, intense about her sense of fashion and is willing to fire people who breathe the wrong way in front of her. And so it's very clear that, like, Chloe wants to emulate her, but also, you know, she doesn't really have a relationship with Chloe herself. Like, there's a running gag that she can't even remember her own daughter's name. At first, just, like, using other girls' names that start with C and then later going on to call her things like Chlorine. (laughs) It's It's a weird choice, but whatever. But in any case, she becomes the Akuma of that episode. 
uh, style queen. And, and uh, Cat Noir is taken out in that Adrian is the very, very first victim of style queen who like turns people into yep. uh, gold. It's a pretty intense episode. And so during this, Meredith tries to get help and needs help with something with the power to immobilize. And so she takes the bee miraculous. But during the battle, she drops the miraculous box and isn't able to go back in time to um, get it right away and it ends up being found by Chloe. Yes. So in the next episode, <laughs> continuing this this whole thing about like Chloe just wanting the attention of her mother in a kind of fit of like despair, she decides that she's going to show off just how great she is, how amazing she can be by turning into Queen Bee. And yeah, publicly. Yeah, in front of everyone. So she's very much like, I'm the kind of superhero where you're going to know exactly who I am, um, which is like, that makes sense for a character. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely not the uh, best choice with um, someone like Hawk Moth around. Right. So she doesn't think about any of that. She wants the credit whenever she can, but she gets bored right away because there really isn't any evil to defeat. There's like no one akumatized or anything. So she decides to cause her own trouble in order to, like, supposedly rescue people, you know. And Ladybug is able to figure out pretty much immediately what she did, and so she runs off feeling very, uh, very sad that, like, she all she wants to do is help people, but, like, she literally caused um, the mayhem that she saved people from. And so um, she gets akumatized and turned into Queen Wasp. So this is the interesting thing of, like, what happens when someone who holds a miraculous is akumatized? And so she is quite difficult to defeat, but she does get defeated and they're able to convince her to give back the miraculous. But uh, she does end up getting to redeem herself and use it for good uh, later yeah. on as well. So, yeah, um, specifically when her father becomes an Akuma. Yeah. And it's a, it's a nice turn of event with uh, Chloe's character. I do like that she gets to have this because like. Her mother is very, um, very cartoony, but it definitely shows, uh, it explains, doesn't really excuse, but uh, explains, like, why Chloe might be the way she is. Like, she has, like, her mother essentially is, like, a worst version of her, and is just terrible. Mm. Chloe is a character that, uh, I think because of the nature of the show, kind of goes back and forth in her development. But I I'm glad the the season uh, ends with her in a much better place than where she started. Yes, I would agree. I remember, like, especially after the first episode we did on season one, you know, like, seeing some comments about, like, how I'm being so harsh to Chloe because I didn't like her at all in the first yeah. season. But, like... She's like this very ridiculously cartoony version of like everyone who ever bullied me when I was a kid. So like, yeah, of course, I'm not going to like her in the first season. I understood that like characters hopefully have some sort of development. And so I was really happy to see that they at least push that a little bit in this season. You know, because the show is so episodic, it's like understandable that she doesn't seem to change a lot in day to day. But like, you know, by the end of the season, at the very least, she is definitely on the hero's side and is, like, trying to make an effort to become good, yeah. which is, yeah, interesting. I think also because, like, 
both of her parents and then also her main like butler yes and we don't actually know because she doesn't know what to call him she doesn't she never calls him the same thing twice yeah um the first thing i hope the jean part is at least correct um but after that yeah so like he also ends up turning into well he turns into a bear which is interesting but <laughs> a little stuff to bear yes yeah so you know these like all these people around her keep getting kumatized because of her own negativity and she kind of starts to like see that maybe she needs to go on the path of like becoming the hero that like her hero ladybug would want her to be yeah so i guess before we get to the kind of final battle we do need to talk about two new characters this season yes. uh, in particular both characters that are kind of presented as potential additional love interests yes. for marinette and adrian yes. the show <laughs> looked at the the love square and was like people have Four different ships with the same two characters. We gotta, we gotta add more characters. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the love square, though. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's interesting. <laughs> there are a lot of different dynamics, and I'm very fascinated by the fact that like people will specifically ship like. For example, Adrian and Ladybug, yeah. or whatever. Like it's it's in a very specific. It's interesting, you know, just silly teen love stuff. But yeah, we get these. We we get the sign that you know there could be some other options. So um, in the episode Repulsed, we get introduced to a new member of the fencing club, someone who has just recently moved to France. We don't know where from. Like, I want to assume Japan, but it's not clear. But somewhere else, right? She she was from somewhere else, and she moved to Paris and wanted to become a part of the fencing club there. And um, she gets challenged to, well, fence against Adrian. And it's unclear whether or not she won, because the only person who witnessed the final blow was Marinette, who is a beginner to fencing and wasn't really sure. Yeah. So she says Adrian won, but she... She doesn't know 100%. And so, you know, this girl who we find out after the fact is named Kagami. She, you know, is feeling defeated and has this sense of like no second chances and all of that. So she ends up getting akumatized into Repost. And um, the design of Repost in particular, I'm not a huge fan of. It involves using the Japanese flag. I also have issues with like her character's name being a word in Japanese as opposed to like a Japanese name. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that part was not great, but she's an interesting character as like someone who is also an equal to Adrian in terms of them both being very excellent fencers. And also the fact that she's very clearly interested in Adrian and isn't afraid to do anything about it. Yes, that is, it's very refreshing, uh, especially um, if you compare her against Marinette, who is who can barely talk to Adrian sometimes at this point. Yes. Kagami is very unafraid of, like, just saying outright, like, hey, you and me, this could work. This is interesting, right? So it's, it's like, it's such a fun, like, exact opposite situation, for sure. And then, of course, Marinette also needs another love interest, and gets it with Julika's brother, Luca. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is in the episode Captain Hard Rock, wherein uh, Julika and Luca's mother becomes this kind of weird pirate akuma or whatever. Yeah. But 
Uh, Luca is this guy who lives in, on this boat or whatever um, with the family, and he is like so sensitive and serious, and he plays guitar and seems to not be very good at using his words, but knows how to communicate very well with music. And Meredith like doesn't know what to do with this sudden like wow i am like feeling things you know yeah it's she's like gets just as flustered as she does with adrian and all you notice is like right away and is like this is interesting (laughs) (laughs) i really like luca as a character um i like both of these new characters to get introduced um a lot of it does have to do with later seasons especially as their character develops season three i think is a very good season for luca so if you have watched season two. This is for anyone out there who's watching. Um, I definitely think you should, if you like Luca, you should definitely watch season three if you weren't already planning on it. <laughs> I'm definitely curious about how things are going to go because I feel like they're they're just like some kind of crumbs. Like they are planting the seeds in this season. But we don't see a whole lot. There's also the ice skating episode where they kind of do a little bit of a double date, but not really situation, which is really interesting. It's it's interesting to see them with new characters that are potential potential blocks to the presumed end game, right? Yeah. They're fun characters. I do want to say, though... I had issues with <laughs> the way Luca is rendered in this season. So my understanding, because there are several different um, animation studios making Miraculous, that usually affects the kind of quality of the renders of characters throughout the show. For some reason in this season, Luca has no eyelashes. Um <sighs> It's a thing that really stood out to me and I was like, he looks weird, but I don't know why. And then I was talking to some other folks about it and they pointed that out and that, like, you know, he looks better later, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he's rendered better, which like makes sense. It's interesting because, um, you know, one of the major studios that works on Miraculous is uh, SAMG, who is a Korean company and they're... I mean, I think they're still working on Miraculous, but they also do the Korean Magical Girl series Catch Teeny Ping, or have since 2020. And that show looks amazing. (laughs) So, check it out. So, um, is there anything else that you want to talk about before we get to the finale? Um, I think one thing that is um, interesting that gets brought up in Frightingale which is an episode about this singer named uh, Clara Nightingale who wants to make a music video about Ladybug and Cat Noir and uh, she wants to cast people and uh, if you couldn't guess uh, Marinette and Adrian get cast as uh, the Usuals and they get they get so worried about actually wearing the uniform because they're like oh what if people recognize me which it makes sense because <laughs> they don't look that different in their superhero form yeah if you want to like reason why people might not recognize um them as superheroes you can say it's like a magical thing where like people can't right or you can even uh say their personalities might people might be like well is it like is ladybug marinette no marinette's like too 
too awkward and clumsy. She can never be Ladybug. Come on. Yes, yes. It is, it's very interesting because especially the thing that they get hung up over is putting on the masks at the end. I always found it a little, a little silly that it would be the masks, like, but I guess it is also like the final touch on the the costumes. Uh, but it they it it doesn't happen. Um, I'm not sure about what I'm about to say, and if I'm wrong, people can correct me. This might be the first time the show kind of plays with the idea of their identities getting revealed to each other. Yes. It's definitely something that is going to come up more because of, of course, you know, they got to tease the identity reveal. It's interesting to think about um, the way their identities are kept a secret and how that exactly works. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah, so that actually does go into the uh, superpower forms that we get this season. So we only see two different ones, but basically what we find out is uh, in the first one being um, Siren, which is where this girl who we've never met before is in love with one of the guys at Meredith's school. It's Kim. Yes, Kim, who is in love with Chloe for some reason. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He becomes Dark Cupid in season one, and he has no idea this girl likes him. It's kind of absurd, but they're in the swimming club together and they have this little game where they, they ha- there's like this uh, secret in this uh, little, I guess, I hope, plastic wristwatch thing that they put down in the bottom of the pool. So one of them has to go fish it out and find the message. Yeah. And so she's trying to hint that she likes him and he just has no idea. And it's he doesn't, it's not like he means to reject her, but he has to run off and she feels rejected. And so she gets turned into this Akuma that turns the whole of Paris into this ocean, basically. Yeah. So that kind of makes things difficult for Lady Looking Cat Noir to fight. And Marinette helps Master Fu to create this potion that will give the Kwamis power. And this is something that's like, they make a whole big deal about the fact that the Kwamis themselves don't know this recipe or they can't know this recipe because that would give whoever possesses them too much power. Yeah. In particular, always referencing uh, Nuru, who is the uh, Kwami, who is part of the, the um, reckless that Hawkmoth has. So yeah, they are able to get this potion together and that gives them the bow- the power to power up the Kwamis, which thus powers up the superhero forms. So we see this one where they get like scales and fins and stuff and they can swim around. Uh, Plag also gets them as well. Yes. They do this whole thing where um, somehow Master Fu manages to put them into blocks of cheese. <laughs> like, Because there are a whole bunch of different uh, potions, basically. And then also uh, Marinette uses the potions and makes macarons out of them. So it's like this cute little thing where like they can pop a, a macaron slash piece of cheese in their mouth and transform and that gives them power. So we see this underwater form and then in the uh, ice skating or Frozer episode, they get like this kind of ice skating form, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's fun. Gives them other options for fighting and, and all of that. Yeah. So let's see. I'm trying to think of anything else I wanted to talk about before we get to the finale here. Oh, I did want to shout out the zombie episode, Zombie Zoo, because it was really, well, for a thing, it was just funny. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
But it's basically, the whole episode is like a zombie movie, except that the zombies are like this, you know, their, their teacher who just wants to spread love around the world or whatever. Basically, like her kiss causes people to want to kiss others and thus turn them also into kissing yes. zombies. So it was like a really fun way to, to play with that kind of trope and that storyline without it being like dark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is this also, I'm just remembering, uh, the first episode where Marinette almost becomes akumatized? I think so, yes. Yes, yes that's how it starts. Yes. Yeah. Which is, it's, it's very mm. interesting to think about either Marinette or Adrian becoming akumatized because of who they are. Like, you get the impression, especially in season two, when there's five seasons currently, that, like, it's not gonna happen. But it is very interesting to consider what would happen if they do become akumatized. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's interesting to point out that Gabriel makes it clear throughout this season that he doesn't want to hurt Adrian. And so I feel like he would pretty much never go after Adrian to become an Akuma. Like, that's that's his son. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't know that Marinette is Ladybug. So it makes sense that, like, in this episode, basically this whole thing is, like, uh, Chloe ruins Marinette's birthday present for their teacher. And she gets frustrated thinking she's going to get in trouble. And so that's when, you know, Hawkmoth sends out the Akuma to, to evilize her or whatever. Once her teacher talks it out with her and she realizes, oh, I'm not getting in trouble and things are okay, then, like, her feelings are gone and thus the Akuma can't go into her anymore. And that's when the teacher is, like, trying to defend her and that's when all that um, happens. So it was an interesting way to present it, you know? Yeah. And, and also present like different ways of people becoming <laughs> becoming akumas hawkmoth always seems to know what to say to get people interested in becoming akumas because there's always like some kind of exchange before they fully transform yeah and he talks about like what power he's going to give them and all of that um but yeah so that's everything i want to mention but is was there anything else you wanted to talk about there just saw two more things um that happened Earlier in the season, one is that uh, Plague and Tiki, the commies of Marinette and Adrian, they learned the other secret identity. Yes. So the commies are in the know about who is Ladybug and Cat Noir. Mm -hmm. Of course, they can't say anything because it's not good to reveal their identities. Right. <laughs> and right. we also learn why uh, Hawkmoth is... Well, he, we learned that um, if you combine the Ladybug and Cat Noir's miraculous together, it will be able to grant a wish, and something equal in return has to be paid. It's a very equivalent exchange thing. Um, and this yes. is why Hawkmoth wants it, because we do learn right before the season, the two-part season finale, that uh, his, his wife is... In a coffin in their basement, and he, he wants to bring her back to life. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, we don't know exactly how long she's been there, but yeah. she seems to be very perfectly preserved. It's a glass case. It's very um, Disney Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Yeah. It's, it's pretty out there, right? We also kind of know by this point that um, Natalie, his assistant, is fully aware of what's going on and knows yes. that he is Hawk Moth. 
um, and is like clearly like doing things to defend him and and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's an interesting kind of reveal, and so it becomes clear like what his intentions are with the power. And why he doesn't think what he's doing is bad, yeah. but he also seems to not fully understand the risk of making such a uh, making such a wish. Basically. Yeah, yeah, he he doesn't understand like what it would cost to do this. He's just so focused on he's so in his grief about his wife's passing that he's kind of. Um, ignorant to the cause because he just wants it so much that he's willing to like look over the negative part of having this as long as he can get her back right right so it's yeah it's it's an interesting dilemma right yeah (laughs) yeah so there's that now i did want to mention one other thing it's not a big deal It's, it's not like plot relevant but i did want to mention the episode because i have thoughts about it which is um reverser which is Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> this episode is like, for me, it's so, I mean, there are other characters, like, for example, Rose and Julika to me are like such a couple, but yes, this episode, I had a lot of like, particularly like queer feelings about. So the first thing is just like, um, you know, we, we have seen the uh, illustrator in the first season, yes. you know, this like evil artist, which is actually um, Nathaniel. And then... In this episode, we learn that there is a, a kid at school who likes writing. I don't think we've ever seen this character before no. this episode. At least I've, yeah, because yeah, I, I think, think he's, new. he's in a different class. Yeah. But seems to know Marinette at the very least. And Marinette is like, knows he's a writer, but he's very shy about sharing his work. And he shares it with, with, with Marinette. Well, really, Marinette ends up picking up his dropped notebook and thus getting to read everything yeah but um <laughs> you know so he had been writing this kind of a uh, fictional diary of ladybug and you know of course marinette knows this is fiction and so she doesn't really think about it but you no know, she knows also that nathaniel is an artist who isn't really a writer and so he's looking for a writer and so he, she was like oh i have this idea to like kind of get these two together and uh, as, as like a, as artistic partners or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, basically like what she does is she gives this notebook that's labeled the Diary of Ladybug to Nathaniel. And the Diary of Ladybug specifically talks about how the illustrator becomes a good hero and also that Ladybug has a crush on him. And so Nathaniel yeah. takes this the wrong way. Um, poor thing. Thinks this is like the actual diary of Ladybug. Even though, again, like there are things about it that are like definitely things that didn't happen. So it's kind of odd that he comes to that conclusion. But then, you know, when Marinette's like, oh, do you want to meet the writer of the book? He thinks he's going to get to meet Ladybug and this boy's there instead and so he gets he, he gets turned into yeah the the reverser uh so it's just like a whole thing it's it's a very understandable comedy of errors that leads to this misunderstanding that breaks this boy's heart and i just thought it was really interesting because like after that they do end up you know becoming friends and it just seems like now they're just like always a pair of creative partners i guess but yes yeah it was interesting <laughs> 
it's definitely an episode that um you can you can interpret that the two of them you know could become boyfriends one day it's definitely a uh a big uh ship in the fandom i'm so glad i'm not the only person who sees yeah, it that way yeah yeah, yeah. no you're definitely not <laughs> uh it's very cute in any case so i just wanted to shout them out yeah <laughs> yeah but yeah so i guess then we can get into the the finale yes. uh the last few episodes so this starts this really starts with um Sandboy, I want to say. These episodes are... Oh, well, I mean, they're a lot of fun in general. But yeah, Sandboy is one where we get, again, a lot of lore stuff. The The actual Akuma story is, is not such a big deal, right? But basically, yeah. like, this little boy has a nightmare and Hawk Moth uses that to his advantage to create an Akuma, who is like this little kind of Sandman type character who creates nightmares. The nightmares are very scary. Yeah. But, um, yeah. <laughs> the main thing is that, you know, it is um, Nuru's birthday, his uh, 3,500th birthday, apparently. And again, Nuru is this, you know, the the, the, the Kwame that uh, is currently being owned by Hawk Moth, by Gabriel. Yes. So there's this whole thing about how, you know, on a birthday, usually the Kwamis all come together to celebrate and have a little party. And if they all come together and communicate, try to reach out to Nuru through the Miracle Box, they might be able to find out where he is and therefore find Hawkmoth finally. So so Marina encourages them, like encourages Tiki to, to go meet with the other Kwamis. And we do get this fun bit where we do get to enjoy watching all the... Yes. All the Kwamis, like a whole bunch we've never seen before, right? Yeah. And it's just... This very sweet thing. It's, it's also very fascinating. Like, oh, what's that animal? What's an animal? Are we going to see these later? Of course we're going to see these later. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then poor Nuru is clearly very lonely and is trying to ask to celebrate his birthday. But yeah, Gabriel's like, no, I'm sorry, but you, you can't go. Yeah. Yeah. So in any case, you know, they uh, he ends up, you know, turning this boy into Nakuma and then like, all this stuff happens. We get the way that the effects Marinette is like this weird. Um, the the subtitles on Disney Plus label it Nightmare Adrian, and it really is <laughs> this horrifying kind of version of Adrian who is just like, "Hey, Marinette, I like Chloe. We're gonna get married and have children." It's yeah. like really weird and terrifying. Um, <laughs> very much like what a teenager would be afraid of if they're really interested in romance, I suppose. But it was, yeah, very um, wild. <laughs> yeah. Of course, both Meredith and Adrian cannot transform because both their Kwamis are off in the little Kwami party. And um, it's interesting. I mean, they're all, of course, aware of Ladybug and Cat Noir. So they know that if anything should happen, they have to go. But we see that we see the Kwamis have a very cute little party and then they try to reach out to Nuru. Unfortunately, because um, Hawkmoth was transformed at that time, Hawkmoth is the one that really kind of connects to them and tries to ruin things. Yeah. So it gets really scary. And it also makes him aware that like, oh, yeah, there's probably a guardian. There's probably a whole bunch of miraculouses in Paris. So he wants to get a hold of them for himself. Of course. 
And, uh, you know, we get the whole thing with, of course, Ladybug and Cat Noir attacking. They do finally get to get their Kwamis back and transform and fight the Sand Boy. That part is, you know, a fun battle as always. But yeah. it's very uh, intense. And we know that, like, yeah, if Gabriel finds out what the, the Kwamis are, then he can get the hold of, like, more Miraculouses and have more powers. And, yeah, it's pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think the show does a good job with showing how dangerous Hawkmoth can be. Mm. I think you could kind of, like, underestimate him with some of the episodes, but, like, oh, he, 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 he turned a baby into Akuma, like, come on. But, like, it, it, he really, if he is able to, could be very dangerous um, and cause a lot of problems. Yes, yes. Like, he... He starts to show more and more that, like, he is figuring out his own abilities and is figuring out, like, yeah, how he can transform, like, or, like, this really, he has no worries about, like, or no qualms about, like, hurting people, you know? Yeah. It's basically, you know, yeah, again, whatever it takes to right the wrong of his life, which is, yeah, his wife dying. Yeah. And, yeah, like, you want to understand his feelings, but also no. Dude, yeah no. <laughs> like it's understandable yes. to be upset about you know your wife dying but he he definitely takes it to a level that is um it's a little extreme <laughs> yes <laughs> yes indeed so um yeah so we get to the the finale the last two episodes which are referred to as heroes day part one and two as well the first one being Catalyst. So in this one, we see, you know, Heroes Day is this day that is now celebrated in Paris where people all around show ways that they can be everyday heroes inspired by the superheroes that protect Paris. It's generally a very kind of sweet thing, but we see that, like, you know, Marinette is not stepping her game up compared to everyone else. Like, people are doing more and more. And of course, we know she's Ladybug. She's, it's not yeah. like she's not doing anything. We also get the return of Lila, uh, who is on video chat claiming that she is in the country of Achu, which <laughs> I don't think is a country, but okay. No, I, I she's definitely lying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And is talking to this prince about um, like all kinds of just... This a whole, whole bunch of bull, basically, which is like whole, her whole thing, right? And Marinette knows this, that like basically everything she says is a lie, but most people don't. And so she tries to, you know, expose the lies, but, you know, it's just a whole bunch of stuff. And then we see that actually she's actually just at home. She's uh, She's been lying to her mom this whole time that school has been closed. Yeah. So she's just been staying home. Pretty wild that her mom doesn't, like, look into it or anything, I guess. <laughs> or at least, like, try harder. I don't know. But in any case, so we see that, like, she is, she's actually still in Paris. She hasn't gone anywhere. She just is trying to do whatever it takes to make herself look as good as possible because she cares about her reputation and looking like a hero, even if she isn't one. 
And it is in all of the stuff that she gets akumatized. In particular, there's this really funny part where, like, this is the plan, right? Gabriel is trying to get Lila to to feel bad enough for him to akumatize her. So he goes out live on TV and talks about heroes and says, like, unlike fake heroes like Volpina. And it's like, no one has been thinking about Volpina this whole time except (laughs) for Lila. So that was a target at her specifically but yeah so she feels bad because everything is all about ladybug and she's jealous and so she gets akumatized turned back into the evil version of volpina and she uses that to create this illusion that ladybug has gone evil and has also killed cat more basically in front of everyone and that leaves everyone feeling really down yeah I will say, I, I don't think Gabriel had to go to such lengths. I feel like she if she was asked, she probably would have been like, yeah, I'll be evil again. <laughs> she just seems... <laughs> but I might be biased. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah, it was really interesting. <laughs> so, Marinette is not around, and neither is Adrian. So they don't have any idea of what has happened, like, in front of everyone on TV. With everyone just being super sad, the next step is... Hmm, I still have weird things about this, but basically, uh, Hawk Moth turns Natalie into Catalyst, a supervillain that can boost powers. Yes. And then she immediately uses that to boost Hawk Moth's powers and turn him into Scarlet Moth. Now, I feel like this is Wishing for Infinite Wishes, However, yes. <laughs> I guess this works. <laughs> yeah. So he sends off like a whole bunch of uh, Akumas. And, and now because he's a Scarlet Moth, they're all like red instead of the usual purple. But yeah, so he is happy to turn everyone in the world into Akumas. And we see that it works to the extent that a lot of people are immediately afraid and that fear is enough to turn them as well. Yet yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like basically, all of the pe- all the ones that we've seen in the past, all those Akubas, all come back, but now they're red, so they're different. They're more powered up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. We do get the th- sense that, like, if you're strong enough, if you are not afraid, then you won't get Akumatized, which is good. And so then, of course, they need all the help they can get. So it's time to go and get the help of all the heroes. Now, what's really funny is that to do this, she kind of has to approach both Nino and Alia at the same time. Yes. And Nino's surprised that Alia is Rina Rouge. But Alia definitely already knew that Nino was Carapace because Carapace says dude just as much as Nino does. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny. Like, she pretty much knows right away just from his speaking style when yeah. he's rescuing her as Carapace that she's like, I know that dude anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. So they, they have a lot of fun being a cute couple who are also superheroes. And Cat Noir gives Chloe the, the Be Miraculous so she can fight as Queen Bee. It's really cool to see now all five heroes working together. Yes. And it's a pretty fun final battle. And it's very difficult, of course. So then we get into the second of these episodes, which is called Mayura. It's just the continuation of the battle, of course. And we see that it's also 
very difficult for them to uh, to say heroes, more or less, especially because of the power of Dark Cupid, again, from the first season. He turns everyone's emotions negative, which is the perfect way to get more people akumatized if you just yep. make people as negative as you need them to be. And so eventually um, everyone except for Ladybug and Cat Noir also get turned back into Akumas over time because they do, they are trying to defeat as many of these villains as possible, but it's difficult. <laughs> There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. So this final battle is, is pretty tough, but they are able to, uh, to finally like, you know, defeat them, get everyone back to to normal, but as they're doing that, this kind of final showdown with uh, Scarlet Moth, which they they do, they are able to turn him back into regular Hawk Moth, um, gets yeah really intense, and they talk about the wish that he wants and how it must be evil. Cat Noir says, "There's no way it could be a good deed because you're just such a bad guy." They do get help from the everyday Parisians as well, and there's a kind of joke about the French Revolution, which I thought yes. was very funny. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, Volpita makes this kind of fake version of Scarlet Moth that they almost are convinced is the right one until they see that the real one is coming up behind them. Yeah, so they, they do um, defeat them all. And then when all the, the, the supervillains are, I guess, de-evilized, de-akumatized, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we see that like Catalyst is doing, Catalyst is back at the aggressed home watching everything happen, kind of the way that Hawk Moth usually is. And so she goes and grabs the Peacock Miraculous. Yep. And we see this very interesting scene of her uh, turning into Mayura and um, helping out Hawk Moth one last time. And when he gives into his his negative emotions in this scene, like basically he passes out in this giant, terrifying bug creature goes after them and they scare them the heroes off and he leaves and so they're like hey that must be the peacock miraculous holder because the peacock kwame has been gone for some time they uh the kwamis did mention that like they haven't seen him for a minute or yeah them i guess well when in the english dub they do use the word peafowl which is true peacock is the masculine term i guess yeah as opposed to peahen or peafowl so unclear about that but sure but in any case, yeah, so that, that is the other Miraculous that we had yet to see this season. And uh, yeah, we see, you know, Gabriel does escape back home and sees that Natalie is completely exhausted because the Peacock Miraculous is damaged. And so yeah. it's unsafe to use. But Natalie mentions that, like, you know, she wanted to help no matter what. It's very clear that Natalie is, like, in love with Gabriel. Yeah. It's a little frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It is frustrating. Yes. <laughs> I think it's especially frustrating because it's like, we know where this kind of plot is going, right? Like, he, she's, she's doing whatever for him because she loves him, but he's doing all of this to revive his dead wife. So yes. What is the end goal here? <laughs> In any case, we get one final scene with, with all the kids back at school. Um, they are having a cute little picnic and... There's this cute whole moment where Adrian tells Marinette that, like, she is a hero to everyone in their day-to-day life. She's everyone's real-life ladybug, which is very cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So, yeah, season two does 
like end with this. It also ends with the um creation of a senti monster, which I hope everyone is looking forward to learning more about come season three. Because <laughs> I'm not gonna say anything, but uh, it's an interesting concept. Just keep it in your back pocket, thinking about uh senti monsters and like what they are and what it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, there's so much. Uh, that happens in this show um, that it's just so messed up when it's revealed. <laughs> but it's also part of why I like this show a lot. Yeah, I think it's such an interesting show for obviously a lot of reasons. But I think what's interesting, like, you know, again, the show is very episodic. So for the vast majority of it, you're not getting it. You're not getting plots out of the show. You're just getting like, a fun supervillain of the week and it's fun to see what is the situation how they're going to solve it and all of that like and it's 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 fun it's it's an action show in a lot of ways the superhero show so it's that part is good but it's really fun like when we do get these bits and pieces of lore and everything it's like oh my goodness what is going to happen next you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's yeah it's interesting for sure. And sometimes a little... Hmm, I, I I worry about different characters and, and all that. But, but yeah. So hmm, I think that's everything I had to say about this season. But um, do you have any other, any other thoughts or comments? I definitely think season two is... It's not my favorite season. Um, season three is my favorite season. But it definitely... <laughs> Um, introduces a lot of interesting um, lore into the show and it explains a lot of things about what's happening. And I think it's really good, like, the first three seasons. Um, I enjoy the show. I'm going to say, I enjoy all the seasons. I'm just, I think the first three seasons are very, um, they tell a very good story. Um, And I think season two, with its introduction of um, more Kwamis and really like why hawk moth is doing what he's doing mm. it's a very good season and i really enjoyed that they didn't keep some things uh hidden for very long like hawk moth's identity because i think by the end of season one you're like gabriel's like one of the only people it could be like so it's it's good like they wide away they're like yeah it's gabriel McGress. <laughs> which is messed up to think that adrian has to fight his dad Mm-hmm. There's some weird family dynamics going on in the Agress household. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, I want them to, like, be able to find happiness. And, you know, with the uh, the end of the, um, the Style Queen episode, we do get this moment where Gabriel does leave the house for the first time since his wife disappeared, according to the news. Yeah. And um, he... He goes on to the catwalk. It is, you know, ostensibly his own fashion show that he is attending. And he goes to the stage and he gives Adrian a hug. And it's like a very cute, warm moment. And we see other moments where he's like worried about injuring Adrian and putting him in danger. He thinks he knows what he wants and he knows like what is important to him. But it's really fascinating how much like he... (laughs) Doesn't yeah. seem to, yeah, just, yeah, it's, I don't know, just, I, I, he's gotta just talk to his son. Yes. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's, 
Mm, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 very interesting. It's very it can be not frustrating, but like you just kind of want to shake them in and be like, maybe instead of focusing on your dead wife, you should focus on your son who's still alive and is also grieving. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, what? <laughs> yeah, just a lot, a lot of, a lot of that. <sighs> Very frustrating. You just want them to be happy. You want this. That's generally what I think everyone wants from any yes. show they're watching. Right? They want everyone, everyone to be happy. And so it, it's very frustrating that like he has turned to this path instead of being like, he's got money. He can go to any therapist he wants, but he has yeah. chosen. The life of supervillainy instead. <laughs> it's one of those um, memes where it's like a big book that says uh, Miraculous Ladybug and then the smaller book that says Miraculous Ladybug if Gabriel Grass went to therapy. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Like none of this stuff would have been necessary at yeah. all. Yeah. Also, I should mention there is that one scene um, when Chloe threatens to leave Paris and move to New York with her mom that like almost all the school cheers it's very funny and then like you know adrian's the one to be like um that's messed up that you're all you know so happy and, but someone mentions in that scene like like she's the reason why so many people are akumatized like paris yeah. is going to be so much safer with chloe gone it's like yeah. oh my god <laughs> but then it really is the character that she is you know she, she has yeah. been yeah, it's, it's interesting. Of course, you know, they realize their mistake at the end, and that's where they end up throwing a whole party for Queen Bee and all that. So it's yes. silly. But um, yeah, I think it's it's interesting to see that, like, this need to to reach out to people, even if they're they're evil and all of that. But also, like, if you look at the acti- the things that the, the, the bad people are doing in this series, it's, like, completely understandable why someone would throw a party when they're gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh. so so it's interesting <laughs> we're down to the final question which is um charlie what magical girl series are you hoping to explore next that you haven't checked out yet so i know this is a popular series and it may surprise some people that i actually haven't either read the manga or watch the show but i have decided to uh, go back um into the 90s and uh finally watch uh Bayerth. oh yeah mm-hmm. which is i feel like it's a series i should have already watched but i haven't yet mm-hmm. i'm also going to uh finally watch the new tokyo mew mew which i've been meaning to watch i just haven't yet hmm. i did enjoy tokyo mew mew it was one of the first um, Magical Girl shows I watched when I was um, really getting into it in high school alongside like Shugachara and Cardcaptor Sakura. So I was always very excited for the, uh, the, the remake of it, but I just, I just haven't watched it yet. And um, I think now that, is it complete? Oh, the reboot? Yeah. Yeah, so now that it's complete, I can just watch it all <laughs> without having to wait. <laughs> for any episodes <laughs> yeah it was it was really a great time watching it while it was um airing and i i definitely can't wait to check it out 
again in the future to revisit. It is, um, you know, it's got a lot of the same stuff that is familiar to you, but there are a lot of interesting changes, especially in the second season that were really fun. Yes. I am, I'm excited to watch it and to reminisce about the earlier days. The only, uh, show that I haven't well, I guess Shikochara hasn't gotten anything, but the only other show from around that time that I watched that hasn't gotten anything is, um, is it Mermaid Melody or Melody Mermaid? Oh, God. Mermaid Melody, yes. Yes. <laughs> it was also one of them. <laughs> Those two shows in specific. Um, and then, of course, reading more of a pre-tier. Yeah, sounds good. I want to say, I really, really would love if there was a new Magical Girl show that would come out. Because, like, we, we've had some of them, but it, it still feels like they're very in, like, with Magical Destroyers, like, still trying to, like, deconstruct the genre. And I just feel like I just want a nice Magical Girl show. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, there are a lot of shows coming out outside of japan so yes i, I need to rainbow check bubble gem is is airing right now which looks i mean just from like i watched the previews for those uh when they come out on the korean youtube channel and that show looks like so much fun and um we also have yeah catch teeny ping again from korea and a lot of other korean magical girl shows that's like the main one that's getting translated everywhere uh there's a lot of dubs for it and Season four is coming out in Korea soonish. Yeah, there's like there's a lot of other shows outside of Japan. And then um, next year in Japan, we are getting Acro Trip, which is a girls series. And then um, there's some other stuff that is on the darker side. But at least for for that, we know for sure that yes. that's coming. So yeah, I gotta check out these the ones you just mentioned. I'll definitely I'll send you some links. <laughs> yes, thank you. But awesome. So. Um, with that, I think that's everything we had to talk about. So thank you so much for coming back on to Sparkle Psych Chats to talk about this show. Yes, no problem. <laughs> I'm I'm always happy to come back and talk about any kind of magical girl media. <laughs> yeah. So um, where can people find you and follow you online to talk about Miraculous and other magical girls? Uh, you can find me on Twitter if you would still like to go on that website at a magical underscore pride or you can find me on tumblr at vampiric mycelium v-a-m-p-i-r-i-c-m-y-c-e-l-i-u-m vampiric mycelium i've been using tumblr a lot more recently than uh twitter because twitter is uh yeah you know you know how twitter is these days in any case, those uh, links will be in the show notes. So thank you again, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Yes, you too. Whether this was your first or last time listening, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Sparkle Sight Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. We hope you check out the rest of our chats, over two years of magical content and counting, 
And if you like what you heard, tell a friend or tell five friends or tell the whole world by talking about us online. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparklesideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U, and you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at SparklesideChats at gmail.com. Did you know we also take recommendations for future guests and topics? Just fill out the form in the show notes. You can even suggest yourself if you're so bold. The very best free way to support the podcast is using your podcast platform to give a rating and review of our little show. This gives the big internet machines the message that they should share it with more people, and I think we all want that, don't we? You can also join the Discord server for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. The forever link is in the show notes as well as on the socials, so be sure to stop by. Show notes can be found on your podcast platform of choice or at our main landing page at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you have a few bucks, you can give a one-time donation at ko-fi.com or ko-fi.com slash ayushinos. You can also commit to a monthly membership, which grants you access to bonus episodes about Magical Girls and adjacent content such as movies, comics, and other series that Magical Girl fans tend to also love. All it takes is $5 a month, but if you want to rank up, that'll give you discounts on art commissions and monthly requests as well. Music credits, as always, are also in the show notes. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical forever and always. See you next time. <laughs>